Hello and welcome to the Balancing Act podcast for working mums. Here you can find the tools and inspiration you need to overcome the constant juggle and live with more simplicity, ease and fulfilment in your everyday. I'm your host, Debbie, a balance coach and a working mum myself, and I'm super happy to be here with you. Hello, a very warm welcome to episode number 42 of the Balancing Act podcast. It's a fabulous to be here as always, and thank you so much for joining us, whether this is your first time or you are a regular. I am really, really excited to share um, this week's conversation with you. This time it is with Joshua Peck, who is the Midlife Mastery Coach. A lot of Josh's work centres around supporting people through career change when we hit that sort of, you know, 30 something um, milestone. And what he often finds is that the career change that he supports his, his clients through then serves as like a catalyst, I guess, to change in other areas of life as well. And so this was uh, a really fun conversation to have. It's something that I'm really enthusiastic about myself. A lot of our our chat centres around career, like fulfilment from a career and career change. But I think that there will definitely be something in there for everyone, whether you consider yourself to to hold the the tag of a midlifer or not. So without any further ado, let's dive in and enjoy the chat. A very, very warm welcome to the Balancing Act podcast, Josh. It is fabulous to have you here. Thank you. Very nice to be here. For the benefit of all of the listeners, um, Josh is the Midlife Mastery Coach and he is, I guess, an all-around inspirational human being who is helping others find their best life in midlife which I absolutely love. I think it's, it's such a, a, a valiant mission. Um, so to start with, Josh, I wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about what life looks like for you these days. Sure, 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 sure. So, I mean, very much these days. <laughs> this week, life has calmed down a bit because the kids have gone back back to school. I have, <laughs> I have two kids. We had a, we had a nice summer. They're, ni- they're nine and five. We had a nice summer um, and I tried to kind of, I, I worked a little bit less throughout the summer. I did, I dialed down my work, but, but not completely. So, you know, I was doing that, that, that juggle of, you know, trying to do a bit of work, trying to keep life moving along, trying to keep the kids entertained, um, trying not to say no too often to that <laughs> you, you play with me question that, that seems to come <laughs> Many, many times a day. I am someone who really who really is most comfortable with order and structure mm. and routine. And so I have to really do some work on myself over the summer to, you know, when, when I'm properly on holiday, when I'm, you know, able to really kind of relax on holiday, then it's easy. But when I'm at home trying to do a bit of normal life and a bit of kind of juggling holiday I find it a little difficult to that so I have to do some work myself so I'm so this week back to the kids are at school have some structure and back to I didn't really coach very much during August I'm back to kind of coaching with clients back to doing stuff and and developing some, some new things so yeah that's that's me this week amazing so I love that um like your your coaching side immediately came through there when you talked about um 
that that juggle with your kids being like your responsibility to work on yourself and I noticed how you said that is like you know you said it very naturally um but like it's so true and I don't think that that's always the way that it's sort of um that like society tells us it should be it's so easy to think that oh it's the kids it's the kids being so annoying and actually like it is our responsibility to notice what it is that's like annoying or triggering us and take that responsibility to set the boundaries ourselves yeah absolutely my husband and I often say to each other one of us will be getting stressed with whatever they're doing and we'll say just being kids they're just being kids (laughs) so much of you know and and, uh, you know I've got a nine a nine-year-old daughter who's definitely going on 13 and (laughs) so grumpy so grumpy and I could feel myself getting grumpy at her grumpiness. And I was like, well, I'm getting grumpy. I can't, I, you know, I can't control how I'm feeling about this. So why do I expect her to be feeling, you know, why do I expect her as a nine-year-old to be able to control her emotions better than me? And yet we have this, you know, there is this narrative that somehow kids should just be able to control themselves, right? In a way that is just kind of not really appropriate. And, it, and so much of it is in how we respond to that and how we respond to the triggers and that's tough like no one teaches us this this stuff yeah just set we set out on parenting in a way that you know I think is really hard without a lot of the kind of core skills that you need yeah absolutely I totally agree and I think that like kids pick up on our energy so much on our actions so much more so than our words I think um and they know which, you know, I think I always find like my kids mirror me, just what you said about that grumpiness. It's on the ta- the days that you're tired and you know, probably not replenished that that, that also rubs off on them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, the other thing is I know I'm my own worst enemy because I just have this, I have this really high standard for myself as a parent where I want to, you know, I know that good enough is good enough, but I want to be saying, you know, in the morning, I'll be like, right, today I'm going to be very calm and I'm going to do a lovely thing with them. I'm going to have 10 minutes with both of them before they go to school one-to-one time. You know, I set myself this. And then as that gradually kind of descends into just trying to get them out the door fed and alive, I kind of, I kind of do have to manage my sense of disappointment in myself and make sure that that doesn't come out as a kind of sense of disappointment in them. Because it's very easy for just to get wound up by that I think mm, and I'm sure that many if not every parent listening can relate to that as well um so I'm really glad you you mentioned that bit about um you didn't use the word high achieving but I I I gather that that is part of your personality and very much part of your your backstory as to, to what led you into coaching in the first place so I I wondered if you would be open to sharing a little bit about that because I think it's it's a really interesting um, story. Yeah, absolutely. So I came into coaching a few few years now when I found myself in what I call midlife, what we could talk about as midlife, which is kind of a bit ill-defined, but basically at that point, generally sometime between kind of 35 and 55 in age terms, but more it's about a kind of life moment where you know, for me, I'd worked for 20 years. I'd worked really hard for 20 years. My 20s were all about getting established, working hard, playing hard. And um, I worked for a big, I worked in a number of, I was a, a corporate lobbyist. So I worked in a number of in-house and then um, for an agency. Then my 30s were about settling down, about, I met my partner. We um, we bought our first house together. 
and then we had our kids and then kind of finding myself at a point where on paper I had everything I had everything that I'd ever wanted and yet I looked around and thought there's got to be more to life than this it just felt like a grind I felt like I was shuttling the whole time between the triangle of work and school and home and work and school and home and constantly feeling like I wasn't good enough at anything feeling like I was kind of achieving 60% of what I could do at everything because I had no time feeling like I was guilty about not spending enough time with my kids guilty about not spending enough time at work guilty about the house not being you know as, in, as I wanted it to be and on top of all of this I also was a councillor in my spare time politics had always been my real passion so I was an elected councillor I did that for 12 years in a a pretty full-on London borough um and so I would do this kind of quite big corporate job during the day I'd get home and we'd have dinner I'd kind of help put the kids to bed, put the kids to bed and then I would kind of dash out and do committee meetings and on Saturday I'd be knocking you know and it was it was too much it was really too much and um I I had I had this growing feeling for a while that politics wasn't going to work for me I'd always wanted to be an MP that was the next the next step I'd spent a good few years kind of nurturing a seat that I knew was going to come up as available but I just came to I was gradually come to the conclusion that it just wasn't compatible with I couldn't be the kind of politician I wanted with the kind of being the kind of dad that I wanted but that was really hard because my my passion was politics and I felt like if I gave that up what what, what would I have and then there's this sense of I didn't I didn't really know who I was anyway because I'd reached this point in my midlife mm. and I really struggled with it and um then I was on a flight one night coming back from we with our first daughter we'd been to China to see some friends we were flying back overnight um from Hong Kong and both my husband and our daughter were asleep next next to, next to me and I'm always I'm very I'm very um uh, dedicated on getting getting back onto the right time zone to to get my jet lag sorted so I was watching a film I wanted to watch a film there wasn't anything on I ended up watching the um Amy White, uh, uh, Amy Winehouse documentary, which mm-hmm. I didn't have much interest in, but I watched it, and it's got lots of original footage. And it starts out with this footage of her as a kind of young teen, just just being really kind of vulnerable and just really natural at home and having a lovely time at a party or something. And then it kind of tells the story about how her dad started an affair, a long a long affair when she was about that age, and so was out every night, and so she just basically didn't see him through her teens. And how that kind of communicated to her that she wasn't she wasn't his priority, and how that kind of just fundamentally damaged her sense of value and worth, and then how that went on to develop into the eating disorders and the alcoholism that eventually killed her. So I sat on this plane and thought, ah. <laughs> you know, like it, you know, we know we can screw up our kids, right? Because everyone everyone does. But I just kind of had this sense of okay like enough is enough like this is not working for me and it's not working for my kids and I I could have gone on and I could have I could have made it work I could have been good enough but it wasn't the life I wanted to be so I had that moment and then I had to say well okay if this isn't what I want to do want to do what is it I want to do and so I went through the process so that's how I ended this a very long way <laughs> a very long mm. story how I ended up with coaching it's such a great story though and like it's really um it feels like a movie line in itself almost you know this one pivotal moment yeah. that is so impactful that it changes the rest of your life and I think that um like that takes a lot of bravery as well because like what you you talked about the the council counselor role like 
it sounds like quite a lot of your identity was Absolutely. was wrapped up in that and not just at the time but also like the potential that that held for your future yeah that's right although what's really interesting and where I've got in terms of my identity now is that I realized that that I that was that was a huge part of my identity that um that politics that kind of helping people that being you know I was kind of a, a, a biggish fish in a small pond you know I'd get into a taxi in the borough where I live and people say oh you're Joshua Peck aren't you which was always weird but kind of was nice you know let's be honest it was nice but actually what I realized now looking back and what why I felt so uncomfortable because actually what the, the 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 need to change the need to give it up was not just about it not fitting in terms of the, the time I wanted to be able to spend with my kids and my husband and my friends it was more it was also about it stopped feeling like it stopped feeling like it was a fit with who I who I actually was mm. and that politics is aggressive it's confrontational it's contested the whole time even the smallest thing can be contested and actually politics as a process had become really toxic for me and having to be that person who went into battle for what I believed in actually wasn't who I was anymore and, and now I realise that the the kind of key things for me in terms of my ident- identity are connection and warmth and presence and a whole set of things which really I mean they they did come out of my politics in terms of like the one-to-one work I would do with constituents and that was always my favourite thing like the kind of casework and the helping people but the kind of capital P politics was the opposite you had to be you had to be you know hard and mm. fighting and all that kind of stuff it's one of the reasons why I think politics is, is pretty broken because just the process of it is so confrontational um yeah I can really see that and I, c- I can also see that when you describe it in that way how I imagine that a lot of the skills that you picked up in that have have let have been very valuable in your coaching now yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, like I've, really building that rapport with people and and under like the empathy that that you would have for people in lots of different circumstances for example yeah I think that's right it's it's given me a whole set of things one one of the things I always talk about because I do a lot around career change and one of the things I always say to people is people have this idea that a career change is starting again that they they want to you know they 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 want to do something different they want to do something with more purpose they want to do something with more meaning they want to do something that kind of speaks much more to who they are and the legacy they want to leave but they're really nervous about having to start again and what that means financially, what that means in terms of their skills and their networks. And what I always say to people is it's not starting again. Like a, a good career change takes all of your expertise, your experience, your skills, your networks of the past 20 years of your career and uses that as a really rock solid foundation for what comes next. Now you might, what comes next might look different, but it's absolutely based on who you are and the mistake mistake many people make when it, when it comes to a career change is to be to think about it in terms of the job and I always say to people you know stop writing the lists stop doing the pros and cons stop googling jobs and all the stuff that I did and it's very rational it's very rational to do this to think about okay if I want a career change what what is it to but also kind of put that to one side for a moment we'll get there but the thing you need to get really clear on is in this point of your life when you've been through some great big life changes who are you and what matters to you what is it that really matters to you? 
and then from there like what skills do you have what are your I call them superpowers what are the what are the things that you are so good at, at that they come really naturally to you and people always have everyone always says oh I don't have any of those and then we we do the work and we have yes. them. and then it's hilarious the things that the things that we're most good at the things that are most valuable that are most likely in a career to give us the autonomy and the freedom and the salary that we want are the things that come so naturally to us that we don't recognize them as skills and we feel actually feel slightly embarrassed about them because people people tell us we're good at them and we we haven't consciously learned them we haven't studied them they they just come naturally and so we discount we discount them and underuse them and so you know that lovely process of getting people clear on what their superpowers are and who they are their identity get that right and then the decisions about what you do next become so much easier mm, yeah i totally totally agree with that um I think it's really interesting. So what I find with a lot of um, the mums that I work with, they find themselves quite often in a corporate professional job that, you know, they work very, very hard for. They've um, maybe had to study for several, several years, gained a lot of qualifications. They're like highly skilled professionals and they find themselves in a job that they like and you know on paper has so many benefits has like a lot of perceived stability and security to go along with it but they don't love it like it doesn't light them up you know they don't have they don't feel that sense of like life purpose from their job that they thought they would and like that was very much my own experience and the thing that has absolutely blown my mind has like been getting out of the corporate environment and how different life feels outside of that, like a particular company culture. And like I was in a very good company culture, like it was great in so many ways, but it just didn't fit with like every aspect of myself. And so what I found were like those things that you talk about, like your superpowers, like I was sort of suppressing them because they just didn't fit in that environment um so like what do you think about this this importance of of environment and what that means not just for like you blooming in your career or thriving let's say in your career but also thriving like in life in general because like from my experience as well it affects your whole sense of self like when you don't feel like you're living into your superpowers like you're less confident you have less self-belief in general and you know not just in work but in in every other aspect of life too Uh, I totally agree with that I think there's a there's a kind of there's this huge kind of complex conundrum of where we get to in midlife which is that exactly the point where we're less prepared to live our lives for other people and less prepared to be someone who we're not we have the most weight of responsibilities and commitments and often experiences that have totally ground down our self-confidence so you know that that feeling that many of us come to and certainly was what kind of drove me to making this big change that feeling of this is not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not, this is not the life I'm supposed to be in. And that can cause a lot of panic because you start thinking, is this the relationship I'm supposed to be in? Am I, am I supposed to be a parent? You know, literally, am I supposed to be a parent? Can I be a good enough parent? Can I ever do a job? You know, I speak to a lot of people who just feel resigned to the fact that someone's got to do the rubbish jobs. Um, you know, that, that just that sense of desperation, is this going to be my life for the next 
40 years. Um, and actually, when you're able to kind of step back from that and kind of pull that apart, what's what's key for me is that there are there are several kind of elements of the of the kind of living your best life at any point in your life but certainly when you kind of get to midlife and actually purpose becomes really important and purpose is purpose is one of them like what do I want this life to be about one of the things that happens as you get to as you get to this time all of us I think is that we start to become a bit more aware of our mortality right we start to realize that we're not going to go on forever <laughs> and ever I mean how we don't realize that in our 20s and 30s I, don't know. <laughs> but, um, I think there is something about it's not it's not unique to having kids because I think people get this even if they don't have kids and I work with people who don't but I think there is something about having kids you kind of appreciate the fragility of life and mm-hmm. you're terrified about all the stuff that can happen um so you start to appreciate that you know you maybe don't have I mean, we often have like half our lives left, right? 40, 50 years probably, but but you appreciate there's kind of less time and and therefore you start to think about, well, what do I want this life to be at? What will be about? What's my legacy? What's my purpose? What's the impact that I have? And for those of us in corporate jobs, you know, often we are actually doing, we're doing some good, we're creating value, all that kind of stuff, but it's probably not the value that, that we want. And so we start to think about that and we get a whole load of stuff kind of bound up together. So work is one element environment is is another and that's both our working environment but also our kind of home environment um and then our relationships that's a really really important part and actually what and when it comes down to it human connection I think is at the base of what makes us happy and what what makes life worthwhile and of course when you're working in a really busy corporate job actually that impacts on your your relationships so much you just don't have the time so all of those things become bound up and you get you get into this washing machine of I know I need to change and I know there are lots of different options but so when you start to separate them actually what do I want my work to look like what do I want my um, relationships to look like what what do I need my environment to look like to be able to deliver all of that and actually at the center of that what's my identity what's my purpose and what's my kind of ability just radically kind of self to radically accept who I am um that's that's the kind of transformational piece I I love it and like I I think that like I I love your message of you know your best life in in midlife really because it sums up all of that where yeah the career change is maybe the catalyst but like there's so much more that goes along with it too what really struck me as you were speaking there was like so it's funny you know if we work full-time for example like not going to do the calculation offhand but I imagine then you know the large proportion of your waking hours are then spent at work yeah and so if you're showing up at work and building relationships at work and not feeling like like your true authentic self like that's a really big chunk of of like your time and hence a big chunk of your life where yeah you feel like maybe you're putting on like this not not saying like you're you're being a fake person or a different person but maybe putting on a bit of a front that doesn't feel like your like natural way of being let's say and like that's really it's tiring it's really energy (laughs) yeah um and so it's like when you spend all day doing that like using your energy up in that way like constantly having to to put on this like slight front it's no wonder then at home maybe things feel like more difficult you come home more tired than you think 
than you should be you know and I can see how it all really snowballs from there yeah no I think that's right and I I can, <laughs> I can get very passionate about this point about how many hours we work because you talk about the nine to five I mean one it's never a nine to five right it's eight, <laughs> yeah. eight, 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 8.30 to whatever and I think one of the like when I talk about balance I think one of the natural kind of in inverted commas solution to balance is working so-called family-friendly hours so you know work a four day four day week or you know core nine to five hours or whatever I mean the trouble with that is you don't get any less work (laughs) actually you get the same amount of work less time you get a bit of kind of you know I used to kind of creep out of the office at five (laughs) o'clock you know so you feel guilty about that you you know often logging on later on in the evening you get you get no less work often because you have to be super organized you actually get you get a reputation for being the highly organized person so you get more work (laughs) so you actually get into this kind of vicious cycle and when you look at it every study there's ever been done shows that we can do kind of good deep creative brain work for about four hours maximum a day mm-hmm. after that it's shuffling pieces of paper or emails around you know yeah and um, so kind of keeping us in the office nine hours a day so that when you've added a commute on you know you're with your kids what four hours or something maximum you get your kids into bed and you've just got an hour to kind of watch a bit of telly and kind of exhausted kind of silence with your partner before you fall into bed and start <laughs> you know that I mean, it's neither it's neither actually great for productivity, but it's certainly not good for the kind of quality of relationships. No. And like what I think is so interesting is that when we talk about it in this perspective, like it feels obvious in some ways. But like (laughs) when you're in it, it it, like it feels like, you know, that's the way it is. And like that's just that's just the way it is. And like that's what you see, you know, when you watch like in there's like a couple of those, you know, like, like I'm using air quotes, like funny dramas about like working parents. I'm like, they are funny, but like yeah. things like that, they normalize yeah. just that way of being. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, there are alternatives out there and it doesn't like, I, I really like the message, but, you know, it doesn't have to be like this huge, a huge leap it can be like taking small steps to change like little bits at a time in a way that feels good and sustainable and like you know just enough outside of your comfort zone yeah and one of the one of the things that actually when I started doing this work surprised me was that career change doesn't need to mean changing career for some people it actually means once you've got really clear on who you are and how it's best to work and what your real strengths and skills and superpowers are. Some people actually find that what they do is the best thing for them if they just make some changes to really kind of optimise how that works. So they really dial up the things that they're really good at and get rid of the stuff that they're not so great at. They kind of change their working arrangements. And that that might be moving company or having some negotiation, but they change working arrangements to actually kind of fit them much better. So quite, I would say probably maybe one in four times, something like that. Actually, what happens is people find that what they're doing is not so far from what they need to be doing and they're able to kind of change that change that up in a way mm-hmm. and it kind of really re- reignites their, their spark. For others, it's about a more fundamental career change, like doing something different, but always on that basis of kind of what's what's gone before. But, but finding that place of, actually, what's really important to me 
And what's really important to me is that actually being able to spend a bit of time with my kids and getting them out the door in a way that doesn't totally stress them for the rest of their day, for example, because I'm thinking about a million yes. things. Yes, yes. You know, and, you know, there's a reality, like having young kids is tough, right? It's never going to be a bed of roses. It's all, <laughs> you know, there are kind of stages in life, and often actually the point at which people come to me is when they've kind of got, when their youngest child is about three or four, where they've got, to, got, got into school and they've got a bit more headspace to think, mm. now I can draw breath, what, what do I want for me? Yeah, I totally get that. Um, one of um, the my earliest podcast guests, um, Siobhan Fisher, she was um, like very much in this the you know corporate working mum lifestyle, and she worked in uh, like quite a, a very well respected marketing agency, and that's exactly her story. Like it's re- it was really interesting to speak to her because she she sort of had this you know a a crisis as she described it like oh my goodness what am I going to do and actually through working with her own coach just went freelance doing exactly the same work but it just gives that more flexibility and I read a statistic a while ago about how so I'm not going to claim to remember the numbers but it was something like by 2025 60 70 percent of the workforce will be working like freelance or on a consultancy basis in some capacity and I thought that was so telling um around this like I think now workplaces like there's having flexible working or family friendly working is all like as you say it's not it's not the the ideal solution but it's sort of the minimum requirement these days it's like it feels like the starting point almost if companies like large companies are going to survive into the future. It's funny, isn't it? I was I remember reading something in the standard about one of the big accountancy firms who actually is, is seen as really kind of leading on family friendliness, and it does it does things like if you're travelling, um, you're at your you can um, express your breast milk and then get a courier at home and stuff, and you think, well, really, <laughs> you know, yeah, know. right? But really. <laughs> You know, that the kind of structure you have to build around how to be able to be a parent and work. I know. You know that's kind of stretching it to such an extent. And, you know, that's that's not to take away from the fact that actually for some people that is what they want to do. And great that there's that structure there. But for a lot of us, I think, you know, I work predominantly with working mums, some some working dads and actually some 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 without parents. But I do think there's something about the kind of mental load of that juggle yeah um, yeah which, absolutely which, you know and how much you want to take on and I think I think the other thing is that sometimes even though policies are in place like the the working culture doesn't always support those policies you know so like um I don't know I've talked before in the podcast I actually did an interview with my husband about paternity leave so like in, in our company like the paternity leave had been there for a very very long time but like because nobody was making use of it it just wasn't the done thing for example um fab so um what I would love you to tell us before we wrap up is where can people find out more 
Yeah. So um, my website and Instagram and Facebook are all Your Best Life UK. So they can find me there. That suggests that I have like this great international business. I don't. I just <laughs> Your Best Life was gone. So uh, Your Best Life UK is um, is where I can be found and um, mainly on Instagram. So Instagram is where I kind of do the daily stuff and um, occasionally dance. I do a oh, bit of dance. What I discovered was that actually I've always loved dancing and I always thought I would never be one of those people who danced on Instagram. (laughs) What I really discovered is when you push yourself to do the things that make you uncomfortable, it like takes on your self-acceptance to another level because Mm. I actually like dancing makes me happy. Dancing makes me happy. And if people want to judge me for that, that's in their head, not in mine. So <laughs> now I just get out there and I shake my slightly middle-aged thing on <laughs> so, yeah, I'm like, why there. not? I think it helps you take yourself not too seriously as well, doesn't it? Like... And, you know, the funniest thing, like, they're always the posts that most people come back. And I've had people, when I've been having kind of um, calls with them about whether or not to work together, I said, well, you know, why are you interested in work, working with me? And they say... I've seen your dancing on Instagram and I want to have that level of self-acceptance. And that's what we all want, right? We want to just be able to say, this is who I am. Take me, take me as I am. Whether you like me or not is your, is your issue. But yeah. I am, like I always say to people, like, we are 100% lovable. We always have the ability to be loved. Whether or not someone loves us, whether or not someone appreciates us, whether or not someone sees value in us, it's 100% in their head and 0% in what we are. We are exactly as we're meant to be. And that's uh, that's my message on Instagram. So that's where people can find me. Oh, I love it. Well, gorgeous, gorgeous words to finish on as well. <laughs> that's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Josh. Um, oh, thank you. Fabulous to chat to you. I've really, really enjoyed it. So, yeah, thank you once again. It's a real pleasure. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Balancing Act podcast. If you'd like to connect with other working mums just like you, who are seeking more balance in their everyday, then come join us on the free Facebook community, The Balancing Act for Working Mums. If you've loved what you've heard, I would be incredibly grateful if you could rate and review the podcast on your favourite platform so that we can spread the word to all the working mums out there looking for more balance. Until then, I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Bye for now.